Thank you for tuning in to The Way Podcast, a work of Scattered Abroad which is overseen by the East Hill Church of Christ in Pulaski, Tennessee. You can find our website at scatteredabroad.org. In this podcast, we seek to showcase the way that God wants us to live by looking at what is written in His Word. The Bible says God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This is That Way. Here is your host, Houston Welch. Welcome back to The Way Podcast. I'm your host, Houston Welch, and we're continuing our study uh, from uh, in Old Testament commandments, commandments which are found in the Old Testament, were given in the Old Testament, that we also found, uh, that we also find are reiterated or uh, commanded uh, yet again under the, the new law. And today we're going to be discussing um, a, a troublesome uh, passage, a troublesome commandment. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that here in a moment, but we're going to be discussing this with my good brother, Chase Green. Uh, Chase, won't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. I appreciate you having me on the podcast today. Uh, I actually listened to your first episode of this season this morning, and uh, you did a very good job with it. And I'm looking forward to listening to some more episodes. But uh, my name is Chase Green, and I host the Everyday Christian podcast on Mondays at the Scattered Abroad Network. And I was in school with Houston for most of his time there. He was a wraparound, so uh, he got to stay a little bit longer than at, uh, after I left. But I'm a 2017 graduate of Memphis School of Preaching. Uh, I'm married, been married to my wife, Lindsay, for eight years now, which is just incredibly hard to believe. And uh, we have three children, Andrew and Amelia and Mariah. And we work with the Marietta, Oklahoma Church of Christ, which is about halfway in between Oklahoma City and Dallas. So uh, we've been here for one year now. So we have really enjoyed getting to work here and, and meet the, the wonderful people that, that live here in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. Chase, I always told him while he was in school, which while he was in school, he only had Andrew. But I'll still say this, that you... You and Lindsay have some of the cutest kids, man. I, I have to say that they're only um, second to, to mine and Kaylee's in, in terms of cuteness. Uh, so we are discussing um, the, the, the troublesome commandment and, and text uh, that we're going to be discussing is, is marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Now, what we're going to do is I'm going to read from uh, where, where this commandment is found, uh, where this this law was given in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 1 through 4. And then, uh, Chase, I would like for you to read um, the two passages that are found in Matthew. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse uh, 31 and 32. And then uh, you can read the, the section there in Matthew chapter 19, uh, where Jesus... Um, gives we're, we're going to study as to what he's doing there in those two in those two texts uh, so deuteronomy 24 beginning in verse 1 when a man has taken a wife and married her and it had come to pass that she find no favor in his eyes because he has found some uncleanness in her then let him write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her hand and send her out of his house when she is departed out of his house, she may go and be another man's wife. And if the latter husband hate her, write her a bill of divorcement and give it in her, gives it in her hand and sends her out of his house. Uh, or if the latter husband die, which took her to be his wife, 
Her former husband, which sent her away, may not take her again to be his wife after that she is defiled, for it is, an, for it is abomination before the Lord. And you shall not cause the land to sin, which the Lord your God gives you for an inheritance. And then, of course, we find uh, Jesus' statements in, in Matthew. Yes, um, Matthew 5, verses 31 and 32. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. So that's referring back to uh, Moses there in Deuteronomy. Mm -hmm. But I say to you that as Jesus says, that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality... I like to pause. I'm, I'm reading for the New King James Version here. I like to pause and state that the King James Version is more precise there. It says fornication. And if you look at the Greek, that is actually what is meant there. So fornication. Yeah, and, we'll get, and we'll get into as to what, what the difference between, between those two are later on in the, in the, right. In the discussion. Right. So uh, if uh, he divorces her, his wife for any reason except fornication, I'll, I'll read causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. And then you go to the Matthew 19 account. And there are other accounts in the New Testament as well. Absolutely. But, yeah. Right. But uh, just reading from the Matthew 19 account, uh, beginning in verse 1, it says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this reason a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let not man separate. They said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of divorce and to put her away? He said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for fornication and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her who is divorced commits adultery. His disciples said to him, If such is the case of the man with his wife, it is better not to marry. But he said to them, All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their mother's womb, and there are eunuchs who were made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. He who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Uh, yeah, and I'm glad that you continued on from verses uh, 10 down to verse 12 because that that's a that's a very important matter that we're going to get to um, here here in just a little bit. Uh, so before before we kind of get into to the meaning of 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 what G, behind what Jesus is saying, I guess we could get into behind what Jesus is saying prior, and that so in Matthew chapter five you see a lot of of these. You've heard that it has been said of old time or by them of old time. And then and then he, he gives the, the, the statement or the remark. And then he says, but I say unto you. And he does this countless times over and over and over. And what, what he's doing there is 
there was a lot of controversy um, regarding the law of Moses during uh, Jesus' time, during his earthly ministry. There was, there was um, of course, we know that there was differences of opinions between the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but even amongst them, there was differences in, there was two schools of thought in, during this time, dating back um, in, in, in long before Jesus uh, came in, uh, um, came into the world, uh, became flesh. And what it comes back to is two individuals named Hillel and Shammai. And they were, they were two rabbis, and they had two completely opposing thoughts regarding the law of Moses. Hillel, you could say, was the more lenient of, of the two, and Shammai was the more strict of the two. And these, their interpretations or their commentaries on the law of Moses, on the law itself, it, it, it went all the way down throughout, uh, even throughout Jesus' time. And so a lot of these, you have heard that it has been said by them of old time, but I say unto you, Jesus is giving the correct. It's like, okay, you know, you know the differences of opinion on these matters. Here's what it actually, here's the correct interpretation of these texts. Here's the correct view. Uh, and again, I said that Hillel was the more um, lenient of the two. Shammai was the more strict. And you'll find most of the time we view Jesus as a, as a very lenient individual. And, and thank God for his mercy. Thank God that he, that he did die on the cross so that we can have forgiveness. But more, more often than not, Jesus agreed, or rather I, could say, I should say, Shammai agreed with Jesus. And that, that, that Shammai had more things correct, more things accurate according to the Word of God, according to, to Jesus himself, than Hillel did, being the, the more lenient of the two. And not surprisingly, uh, modern Jews who still follow Judaism today they tend to agree with uh, the Beit Hillel or the school of Hillel mm -hmm. tend to agree with that school of thought rather than the Shammai school of thought. Yeah. So uh, Chase, where, so we read from Deuteronomy chapter 24 uh, verses one through four, and that's, that is the base text. That's, that's one, the one that we want to keep in mind. The one that um, we should always go back to and, and reference for study that it, uh, of course, along with paired with Matthew chapter five and Matthew uh, nineteen, where 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 in are there any other places in the Old Testament, whether it be in the law or the prophets or the the wisdom literature, the poetry, are there any other places in the Old Testament that, that mentions divorce or that we find anything in regards to to, to marriage? Well, I appreciate that you mentioned you know the law, the prophets, etc. And really, we could go to a lot of places to find various comments and, and ideas about marriage. But I think where we have to start is in the beginning, because that's where Jesus uh, referenced, you know, the starting point of all of this. And there are certain things in the Bible that, although particular, sometimes change between old law and new law. We obviously see that in regard to things like animal sacrifices, uh, Levitical food laws, etc., so certainly particulars sometimes do change from old law to new law or patriarchal law or whatever. But that said, there are oftentimes a lot of uh, overarching principles that remain the same. 
And one of those principles that remains the same uh, is that God created marriage and he created it for one man and one woman. We do find what Moses says there in Deuteronomy 24. Uh, You might call that, I guess, an exception that Moses allowed or what have you. I kind of like to think of that as maybe this is one of those things where we read uh, the times of this ignorance God winked at or or overlooked or uh, looked over the top of, but now commends all men everywhere to repent. Not sure uh, as far as maybe the differences there, but we do need to understand that Jesus clarifies it perfectly for us in places like Matthew 5 and Matthew 19. So are we going to go with Moses or are we going to go with Jesus? We're going to go with Jesus. So um, he goes back to the beginning. He he says, in the beginning, have you not read that it was male and female? And, and God has joined them together. Uh, they have become one flesh. And so that is representing the union of the marriage bond. And then he says, okay, so that's the case. And what God has joined together, do not separate. You can read about that first marriage in Genesis chapter 2. Verses 18 through 25, Genesis 2, verses 18 through 25. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper or a helpmeet uh, comparable to him. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air. And he brings all these animals to Adam. He lets Adam look at them and name them. And Adam cannot find a suitable helper uh, found among all these animals. Verse 21, the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. This is the first marriage. And then we find in verse 25, they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. There's no reason to be ashamed uh, in that marriage context there. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first marriage. And Jesus quotes from that when he's speaking in Matthew 19 to the Pharisees. The Pharisees are trying to trip Jesus up, quoting from Deuteronomy, the idea that uh Moses permitted divorce. But if you look at the situation in which Moses was permitting a divorce, it really wasn't all that different because it says because of some uncleanness in her. Right. Yeah. And and this is this is sort of where um, the the schools of thought between Hillel and Shammai, where that where they separated. Hillel believed, well, if, if she. Basically, any little thing. I mean, we we joke about this oftentimes. If she if she burnt the toast in the morning, like that, that then that right. was it was a cause. Some some minor flaw in her, which quite frankly, there is no perfect woman. And anybody who get and anybody who gets this image of a perfect woman in their mind, whenever they start, and this is this is prior. I think every I think every young man, and I'm speaking only for myself, of course, for for men. Every young man has this idea of the perfect woman. And he may, and th- this is one of the things that intimidates young men so often from speaking to another girl. You often hear about, you, you know, I, well, I, I, 
they get so nervous, sweaty palms, and you don't want to go up and, and talk to the girl because in their mind, she is this, this, this perfect person, this perfect woman, when in reality, she's not. And there is never going to be a perfect woman, and neither are, are you perfect. And that's the thing that, that, that we have to understand is that no individual is perfect outside of Jesus, except for Jesus. And so the uncleanness that he's talking about there is not just any minor flaw. It is uncleanness. Uh, the In the margin of my Bible, it says he found any nakedness or any shame in her, implying that she she's done something. She's either been defiled before marriage, and he's now come to realize it, or... Uh, now, um, after after the fact, she has committed adultery against him. And one one other passage that I want to reference, and I, I'm, I apologize for cutting you off, Chase. And no, you're fine. This, this is this is I think a very good foundation to start with. Malachi chapter two. Malachi is a very short book. It's the last book of the of the minor prophets, last book of the Old Testament. If you if you read them um, in in sequence here that they're found in. And I don't know of a minor prophet that has more application to today's time than Malachi, or at least in my study, I haven't found that. Malachi chapter two, beginning in verse 14, he says, yet you say, and this is, this is constantly, this is kind of like the children of Israel arguing with God uh, throughout this book. Yet you say, wherefore, because the Lord has been witness between you and your wife of your youth, against whom you have dealt treacherously, yet is she your companion and the wife of your of your covenant. And did he not make one, yet he had the residue of the Spirit, and wherefore one, uh, that he might seek a godly seed? Therefore, take heed to your spirit. Let none deal treacherously or unfaithfully, the margin reads, against the wife of his youth. For the Lord, the God of Israel, says that he hates putting away. For one covers violence with his garment, says the Lord of hosts. Therefore, take heed to your spirit that you deal not treacherously. And most translations, modern translations today, reads that God hates divorce. If God hates it, then it's sin. You don't do it. It's something that you want to refrain from because you know that if God hates it, that the end of it, if you do it, is not good for you. So that's that's where we need to start in all of this and just recognize that divorce itself, out except for the cause of fornication, except for somebody committing adultery, divorce is sin. Jesus, of course, he gave that exception that if somebody does, uh, if there is a guilty party, if somebody does commit adultery, if somebody does act unfaithfully in this marriage, then the divorce is okay for the innocent party. Uh, there, there is no, there is no reason that you should have to stay with that person other than, and many people oftentimes do. It's not to say that it's wrong if you do stay. Jesus didn't say that. He said that you can. I would also add um, situations where it's necessary to come out of a sinful, uh, unlawful marriage, too. And there are actually examples of that in the Old Testament. Yeah, uh, yeah. Exodus, Exodus 34, 16, and also Deuteronomy 7, 3 and 4. Moses 
told the Israelites, you are not to uh, marry the Canaanites. They're going to bring you into idolatry. And of course, God speaking through Moses there. Well, Ezra 10, if you read Ezra chapter 10, the whole chapter, verses 1 through 44, they were commanded to put away those uh, unlawful wives. And that's setting a precedent for some New Testament situations that may come about as well. Yes, exactly. Well, also in Ezra, you remember whenever they came back from Babylonian captivity and they came back into the land, the promised land to build the temple. And there in in Ezra chapter 10, at the close of of the book, there, there were many who, while they were in Babylonian captivity, had taken Babylonian wives, which the Lord did not permit them to do. And so whenever they came back, they had to divorce their wives. So that, so we do, and the question is asked, it's it's been presented before that if 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 we if the Bible teaches that somebody has to put away their wife or their or their husband, if they if they are in a in an unscriptural marriage, so to speak, and and they find themselves and they have to do that. We, we need to make sure that we have scripture to back it up. We need to make sure that it is scriptural. And I do believe that it is a, that we have scriptural examples for that. We, we, like you just stated, and also in, in, in Ezra at the close of the uh, close of the book, we have those examples where it was not only right, or it was not only permitted, but it was also commanded for them to put away or to divorce because they were not in a, a, a a covenant marriage. They were not in a, a marriage in the sight of God. So uh, now one thing that I find interesting is back in Matthew um, 19 and verses 10 through 12, whenever they asked him that this, this is a hard saying it's, it's better if nobody even marry at all. Why, why would they ask that question if there wasn't implications to what Jesus said prior Exactly. They understood. Well, okay. If if what you just said is true, then there's some implications here. Uh, Maybe we shouldn't even get married because we may find ourselves in an unscriptural marriage. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, well, find it knowing that it is hard to, to, and, and here's one of the things that I would say that one of the purposes among many others of marriage, and this is, this is, one that that I think of often, one of the purposes of marriage is it teaches an individual to love somebody other than themselves. And many people go throughout their lives never loving, never learning to love, never learning to love somebody other than themselves. And they get uh, so caught up with themselves. And I believe that this is the reason for uh, so much divorce in the United States there, I looked up the statistic, and there it's it's believed that forty one percent of people who get married end up divorced. And I would say that it, it's a rare occasion that they get divorced because infidelity. It's rare that somebody it, it does happen. Many times it happens, and the and uh, the and the um, the innocent party never finds out about it, and they never get divorced. The person who did the who committed the sin, committed adultery, lives with the guilt for the rest of their marriage. Very, well, I think it was, I think it was in the early 1960s uh, that the no fault d- divorce law was enacted in the country, and when that happened, divorces skyrocketed. Yeah, well, because people just well, if I 
we're, we're arguing too much. And it right. boils down to they cannot love the other person more than themselves. And, yep. and you might, you might say, well, it's, it's a harsh thing to, to say that, that you have to stick with this person, even though you don't get along, you've got to learn to get along. You've got to learn to love the other person. That, that is the point of marriage. And, and whenever Jesus said uh, that some men will, uh, will make themselves eunuchs, I can't, I can't help but to see that as, as meaning one thing, that they're, if they do find themselves in this situation, they're going to remain celibate, that they're not going to, they're not because of their love of God. They do it for the kingdom of God. Do you have any thoughts, Chase? Well, exactly. That's exactly right. Uh, if, you know, one of the strongest arguments for, I guess, to use the word, a conservative um, understanding of what Jesus is saying here is right there in verse 12. Why in the world would Jesus say some men have had to make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake? In other words, making themselves celibate uh, because of something that they have done to their body to to make sure that they are celibate. Uh, why would they do that if, in, in this context, if what Jesus just got through saying, well, he didn't really mean what he said there. No, he meant exactly what he said there. And why would certain people have to make sure that they're celibate for the rest of their life if this were not the case? Yeah, absolutely. So, and here's here's one of the things um we have we have to talk about this. What what do you do if you find yourself in a situation? Because the implications of Jesus, Matthew chapter five, as well as Matthew nineteen, is if if you are are put away, whether it be for the cause of fornication or whether it be um, that that just you and your spouse divorced, if if you if you are a guilty party or uh, or your spouse has not sinned against you and you and you're divorced and you find yourself remarried what do you we we have to to provide some information as to what does an individual do in this situation and again this this is uh, i believe i looked at the statistic also 28% or excuse me not 28% 28 million americans are divorced and I would say the vast majority of them are, are not in situations to where they could remarry. Like Jesus said, that many make themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of God. They find themselves uh, that not, not doing that, not remaining celibate. And it's, and it's a very hard saying, along with many other things that Jesus said. But what, how, what does an individual do if they find themselves in this situation, Chase? Well, this is one of the most heartbreaking and difficult situations that we can imagine but and I want to preface what I'm about to say by saying that and and acknowledging that because it is difficult but I want to say this number one adulterers will be included in those who are found in the lake of fire that burns with with uh, brimstone and it is the second death we see that in that list so we've got to understand adultery is sin and it will cause us to go to hell if unrepented of. Number two, Jesus said uh, those who divorce and then uh, accept it be for fornication and then remarry 
they are committing adultery. And he says they to uh, use this present tense commits adultery or the King James Version committeth adultery. That is an ongoing situation of adultery. So that's number two. So adultery will cause someone to go to hell. Uh, it is a continuous situation of adultery. Number three, I want us to look. I want us to look at Romans seven verses one through three. Okay. Do, do you not know, brethren? For I speak to those who know the law that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. And then he gives a similar example, and he says, "For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. We are bound to our spouse." as long as one another lives till death do us part. Yes. Jesus yeah. does grant one exception in Matthew 19, 9 for fornication. But besides that, we are bound to that husband or, or wife uh, as long as they live. But if the husband dies, she is released from the law of her husband. So then if while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. Yeah. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Paul makes it very clear there. Jesus makes it very clear in the things that he has taught us, as difficult as it may be. And here's the thing. A lot of times, subsequent marriages that are found to be unscriptural, based on what we're reading here, it's heartbreaking because not only do you have that love for one another in those subsequent marriages, but oftentimes you have children involved, too. Yeah. And in that particular instance, it's it's particularly heartbreaking. But let me say two things about that. Number one, we have scriptural precedent that presence of children is not uh, the main concern here. It's are you sinning or not? And if you're sinning, you need to repent of that. And I, I go back to Ezra chapter 10, verse 44. It said it says there that a lot of these marriages, there are even children present. But he still commanded them to get out of those sinful marriages. Number two, off, in most cases, not all cases, certainly, but in most cases, when uh, we would counsel somebody to get out of a sinful marriage and they say, well, we have children. In a lot of cases, they had children the first time, too, and it didn't stop them from divorcing that time. So yeah. when we realize that we're in an unscriptural marriage and we're sinning, and we keep on sinning in that situation, uh, it's heartbreaking, but the presence of children and the presence of, of love for one another in that relationship is not a reason to remain in a sinful situation. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, one one thing that I, we, we kind of skipped over this, and, and I do want to say this, um, and then we'll get back to, to Chase's point. We, we never clarify the difference between sexual immorality and, and fornication. Sexual immorality, like, like what we have um, uh, stated, is you could, you, could look, uh, like you could look upon a woman and lust after her. And like Jesus said, you've committed adultery in, in your heart. But it's, he said that the only cause or the only reason that you can put away your spouse is for fornication. That is the act. That is actually um, doing the deed, so to speak. And so we want we want to make that uh, distinction: is that that only in the act, or only for the act, can somebody put away their put away their spouse? But talking about uh, talking about that, I've I heard a story one time of a couple 
who they found out they obeyed the gospel some time ago. And then they found out that they were living in adultery, that they, they were divorcees and they uh, wouldn't say that they were the guilty party because they divorced their spouse, not because they cheated on them, just because they, they went their separate ways. And that's, that's most, most of the time the case. And so now they're married to one another and they're not, uh, they, they find out they're not okay to be married. But they have they have these emotional ties to one another. They developed a strong friendship as well as a sexual relationship, of course, being married. They have these family ties now. They've gotten cro- close to, to one another's families. And they, they've actually learned to love one another uh, other than themselves, learned, somebody, learned to love somebody other than themselves. But they still love God. And God still clarifies that it, it is an adulterous relationship. It is an adulterous marriage. And what these two people did is that they found houses next to one another, and they still had that close relationship. They still had that friendship, but they, they divorced one another, and they no longer had that, that sexual relationship. So they were able to keep all of these, all of these emotional ties without committing the sin. And, and I think that that's, that that would be good advice is that you can remain friends. Now I would not recommend uh, living under the same roof. I, I think that if you, if you have any uh, common sense about you, you take a two people of the opposite sex and put them under, under a roof with nobody else living there in the same room with a closed door. And it's, it's going to lead to, to bad places if they're not husband and wife, but, it's just, it's just the way, it's just nature. It's the way that we were made. We were created with that, with that desire. Chemistry sets in and, and you, you can, you can um, know, you know where it goes from there. So that's not recommended, but you can still keep that, that friendship, that relationship without the, the sexual aspect of it. Now, there is much more that we could go in uh, in regards to this. This is I would say this is the hardest part of, of preaching the gospel, especially in today's time, because there's so much of it. But it was also there was also a lot of it in Jesus' time as well. And he still taught on it. It was still a part of the gospel then. It's still a part of the gospel now. And we cannot shun to declare the whole counsel of God. If you do find yourself in a, in a hard situation, you have your you have more questions well, you can reach out to us. Um, our, our links are in the description below. Our email is in the, the description below. Uh, go check out Chase's podcast, airing every, every Monday, the Everyday Christian Podcast. He has some good stuff on there. Go check out one of our other sistering podcasts, perhaps the Far Better Podcast or the Transform Podcast. Uh, we, do, we do appreciate you if you've stayed tuned in uh, thus far. and Have a good day.